You're listening to Equity Rising from King County Equity Now with the host, me, Trey Holiday. On this podcast, we connect with organizers, business owners, artists, and the incredible people fighting for racial equity around the country and the world so that we can connect with one another, build tactics and strategies, and learn from our lived experiences. On the first episode, I'm bringing on Raven Duckett, the owner of the cannabis brand Community Gardens out there in Oakland. These folks are the first equity license holder in Oakland's cannabis industry. Just a note, this episode was recorded back in September. Welcome, Raven Duckett. Welcome, everybody, to Equity Rising. I am so excited. I'm your host, Trey Holiday, and this is really exciting for me to bring on a powerhouse out there in Oakland, Miss Raven Duckett. She's one of the Oakland's equity experts in the cannabis industry. Raven, thank you so much for joining me today. Yeah, yeah. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here and talk to you about what I know about the Oakland Equity Program. Absolutely. There's so much for us to learn. So we're going to get right into it. But first things first, uh, this is our very first episode, really. And we want to start it off with our segment called First Things First. And so everybody who comes on needs to tell us how you're taking care of yourself. What have you done in the last week to do some (laughs) self-care? Well, it's funny you should ask. And last week, I had a child. I had my first baby boy, my first baby. So, I mean, for self-care and during um, this time of uh, quarantine and lockdown and stuff, it's just really taking a quiet moment to myself and unplugging from work and technology to, you know, spend time with myself and check in mentally. And so it's just really been being conscious, being present in the moment, making sure that I'm not getting too overwhelmed with work or with my new motherhood or anything like that. And so it's just been being very present in the moment and making sure that I'm thankful and things like that. Absolutely. Well, congratulations to you. Firstborn. That is so exciting. Yes, ma'am. Yes, it is. It's really exciting. (laughs) And we thank you for taking the time out during your busy schedule because motherhood is no joke when the baby first gets here. It's a lot of adjustments. So thank you so much for taking time out to give us a a little bit of sliver of some history there in Oakland. And so I'm, I'm really moved by what you guys have done over there. So how did you really first find out about the equity program that was kind of taking shape in Oakland around cannabis industry? And how did you know that you wanted to be a part of it? Yeah, definitely. So I'm born and raised in Oakland, and I have been wanting to be a part of the cannabis industry probably seriously since maybe like 2016. I've, I've wanted to be part of the cannabis industry. I had a friend who worked in a local dispensary in Oakland and a couple other friends who lived in Denver. And I really, I mean, it looks fun. It looks like a lot of fun working in cannabis, especially in California, um, especially in Oakland. Uh, Before Prop 64 passed in California, we had a really strong medical cannabis community in Oakland and in California at large. And it was, it was booming and it looked um, like something I really wanted to be a part of. And so once uh, Proposition 64 passed, I was like, okay, this is my, my time to get in. And so before the Oakland Equity Program came in my path, I was kind of looking at other cities. I was looking at Berkeley. I was looking at Emeryville. 
Um, those were like local cities right around me in Oakland. And then I think it was maybe like a press release or something on Facebook or something like that, where I understood that Oakland um, had just passed this new equity program. And so I started kind of reading about it and in the qualifications and things like that. And so some of the qualifications that I read were that you needed to be from Oakland um, and you needed to have like a certain income and all these kind of things. And so I'm looking at the requirements and I'm figuring out that my husband, my fiance at the time, uh, could qualify for the program. So I was like, okay, we should, we should look more and more into this. And so that's kind of like how I found out about it. And following that was probably early 2017, I want to say. And so uh, in May of 2017, um, the city of Oakland actually hosted a kind of information session um, at City Hall to kind of go over the basics of the Oakland Equity Program. And then that is where I really like learned about the program and figured out like, okay, I could actually qualify for this. Wow. Well, it sounds like there might have been, you know, really some swell and voice of community that helped to even bring about this kind of program. Because I know a lot of the times the city doesn't inherently think, okay, let's do this in an equitable way, Um, Mm -hmm. at at least what I've experienced. So my question to you is, uh, you know, how did you know that Oakland was getting to this place where they were going to do it? You said you saw the post, but what, what do you think happened beforehand to even make that post a reality in terms of you know, pressure that was coming from other places so that Oakland would develop an equity program? Yeah, most definitely. So something that I didn't know at the time, but I came to learn very soon after I became a part of the industry was there were a lot of people, including um, Oakland City Council members, a number of advocacy groups, and also a number of businesses within the city of Oakland who were proponents for the Oakland Equity Program. And I think really at the base of, you know, the necessity for the equity program, all the parties involved, the people on the Oakland City Council, activist groups like Supernova Women and the Hood Incubator, um, and then businesses like My Incubator, Kiva Confections, and a few others, I think they understood that the cannabis industry and the legal cannabis industry is kind of a slap in the face for, you know, the war on drugs and everything that happened, which was really a war on people of color, a war on black people, a war on brown people, especially when you talk about Oakland. Um, And then when you talk about the war on drugs, Oakland in specific was a very hot battlefield, I'll call it, for that war where families were torn apart, people were sent to jail, people are still sitting in jail right now for marijuana-related crimes. And so I think it was a it was a strong feeling that we cannot proceed and skip happily into this legal cannabis industry where everybody can come over the age of 21 and buy weed without acknowledging the discouraging and the um, kind of generationally harmful effects that the war on drugs and cannabis, which was a tool in that war um, or a weapon in that war, had. And so all these groups and all these people came together to create some sort of solution, which was the Oakland Equity Program. And um, Oakland was the very first city uh, in the state of California to put forth some sort of program like this. And it was really monumental and it was really necessary. Um, I think that it was really Oakland coming out and saying that like, we acknowledge that while cannabis has been betrayed in so many 
shameful ways and attached with a lot of lies and racism and all this kind of stuff. But what we're going to do is do our part to kind of, you know, set things straight the way that we feel we are able to, which is basically make people of color stakeholders within the new legal cannabis industry. Wow. It's, it's such a bold move, honestly, for the city to really make. And, and it's it, obviously you just said it, you know, a lot of pressure from other groups that have been doing a lot of work on the ground. So it sounds very similar to what we're experiencing here in Seattle. And, and so regarding the policies around um, this program, the equity program, you actually are a equity operator, correct? <laughs> Yes, Mm ma'am. Okay. So let's hear a little bit more about what that means and how the program plays out. Um, Understanding a a lot about your dedication within the industry, how would you like to describe your experience in this program? Community Gardens, which is the name of um, my cannabis company, we um, started back in 2017 once we figured out that the Oakland Equity Program was happening and that we were able to qualify. And so a little bit about the Oakland Equity Program, what it kind of, what it entails is if you qualify for equity, you are basically given priority licensing within the city of Oakland. And so what that means is should you be able to find space and things like that, if you apply for a license in Oakland and being an equity candidate, they will approve you. But they, but there's more barriers to entering the cannabis industry, which um, are the same barriers as starting really any other business, which is like, you know, kind of finding space and capital and things like that. And so on the other side of the equity program, they also said that anyone who wants a license to operate in the city of Oakland, a license to operate a cannabis business in the city of Oakland, they also need to if they don't qualify for equity and and they're considered a general applicant, then they need to incubate an equity candidate. And so basically what an incubator provides to an equity candidate is um, space, rent-free space for three years and security, um, which is a really big thing. You know, trying to find a space to operate is uh, one of the first barriers and one of the first steps to really get into the industry. Um, And so we were able to find an incubator at that mixer that I mentioned a little earlier, Kiva Confections. And so uh, we went in with them and we met them at that first mixer back in, I believe it was like May 2017. And so with the help of Kiva, I think uh, we found a really great incubator wherein um, while the Oakland Equity Program called out specifically that your incubator really just needs to provide you with space and security, uh, what our incubator has been able to provide for us is a lot of industry knowledge and connections. And so it was really kind of tough starting out because the founders of Community Gardens, it's a family business. So it's myself, my husband, and my cousin. Um, so it's three of us. And while I, I come from a tech background, or right before starting Community Gardens, I was working at Pandora. Before that, I was at Adobe. Uh, before that, I did some work for Mazda. So I came from like a tech background. My husband, he comes from um, B2B sales. Uh, my cousin is a Navy veteran. So we had really like powerful backgrounds, but none of us had worked in weed before. And so, mm-hmm. you know, we're getting into weed and we're like, okay, how much, what, what, how many grams is an ounce? You know, like that's <laughs> kind of where we were. When we right. So uh, we didn't know where to get our product. We weren't really sure how to set up our business formation. We weren't really sure to like how to do any of those kind of really basic things you need to do to even submit an application. Like you need mm. to set up your business structure. You need to get insurance. You need to like... Um, once you get approved, you need to have suppliers to actually buy products from. And so 
we were um, lucky enough that our incubator was really involved in our success. And they really understood that if, you know, community garden comes out as a successful business, then Kiva on the other end will be able to get their license, maintain their license, and won't have any problem with um, those kind of things. And so it was really great to have that added mentorship because I think um, on the other end, there were some cases within Oakland where people were making partnerships with partners and general applicants who weren't as involved in their success. And I can say that, you know, had we not gotten introductions with growers and cultivators and things like that, it would have been hard to find people who were offering us fair prices. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was that was interesting. And then once we kind of like really started the business, I feel like we kind of understood the different nuances of running a cannabis business, just in terms of like even just marketing and advertising and customer acquisition. I think that when we started the business and back in, you know, 2018, 2017, so Community Gardens was issued the third delivery license in the state of California. Mm -hmm. Uh, We were the first equity team license in the state. And so we were, you know, in it to win it, like from the beginning, right? But like I mentioned, Oakland and, you know, California at large had a really strong medical cannabis community, which I think a lot of people assumed would just kind of naturally transition to the adult market. Mm -hmm. But what we found out the kind of the hard way and, and, and the whole industry did really is that that wasn't the case. And so it was really a struggle because we were kind of taking advice and using old practices that would work back in the medical days, say maybe just like, you know, putting up an ad on like a weed map or a leafly or something like that, or just like offering, or even just offering like free products. Like it was a really big thing in the medical community. Like first time people get a free pre-roll, like first time customers get a free pre-roll, but in the new legal market, you can't legally give away free product. Mm-hmm. So it's just like even basic like marketing, customer acquisition kind of practices weren't allowed in the new market. And so really what happened in California um, industry-wide was that we saw a really big drop in consumer participation in the legal industry. And so put that together with the fact that we are a really small business. We're still a team of three. We were a team of three back then. We're a team of three now. Uh, with a really limited budget, we were all self-funded up until you know last year, and so it's like we're working on a small budget. We're working against people who um, have been in the industry for so many years. So it was tough to really find our space and find our customers and compete for that dollar. And so we're still trying to figure it out, but we're still you know in it to win it. I'll say and like still in the industry and things like that. But it's been really tough trying to figure out the new customer. Data shows that, you know, even still, even though California is one of the largest legal markets in the nation, the largest in the nation, 75% of cannabis consumers in California are still actively participating in the non-licensed market, in the illicit Mm -hmm. market. And so our kind of goal with Community Gardens is really focusing on that market right now, which we Mm -hmm. see to be a lot of black and brown people, especially who are being ignored really in the legal industry right now. So it's been, it's been interesting. We've been trying to find our lane. I believe we found it and now we're trying to find our people, which is challenging because we can't use traditional social media marketing tactics. We can't, you know, run ads on Facebook and Instagram. Like if we were selling coffee, we could or something like that. So just trying to figure it out. But overall, we've definitely been enjoying it. Well, you know, thank you so much for sharing uh, that history and that background. I think it really gets the listeners into the mode 
of what's going on down there in Oakland, because this partnership with, you know, equity operators or, you know, folks that have the equity licenses and then folks that have a regular license, retail license, right? It's important that they share these, you know, share best practices to ensure that newer businesses are going to be sustainable. But I know that that's not always the case for all of them. And you happen to have a really great one with Kiva, right? Uh, Kiva Connection. Mm -hmm. So, I want to hear a little bit about how these partnerships can work and, and well, you've explained how they work well, but how they can also work kind of not so well, depending on the sincerity, I guess, of the, uh, of the partner that you have. I think there is a, there was a, how do I say it? There was a lack of accountability for the success of equity businesses as the equity program was initially set forth, I'll Mm -hmm. say. And I think that's because the medical cannabis industry was a lot, a lot easier, easier is a, is a kind of a a strong term. I'm not saying it was easy, but it was easier than the the adult market. It was Mm -hmm. easier to operate in. It was easier to make money. It was easier to get customers in the medical market. And so I think that kind of the equity program was created within sort of a medical mindset. And so I feel like with the medical market, it was like, if you could get in the medical market and you have a quality product um, and, you know, you get into a few dispensaries and you have, you probably have a really good functioning business. And so you go into the legal market and you kind of have these equity businesses who um, by definition are people who probably come from lower income areas and everything that that means with that, you know, maybe you don't have as great education, you might not have a college degree, you, you, you don't have as much money as, you know, other people. And then you also don't know this industry, you probably haven't been in this industry before. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you attach it with a business, an incubator, a uh, general applicant, who's basically really trying to run their business as well, you know, and so it's, they're in a new market. And so it's not necessarily their priority to counsel and, you know, mentor another business, whether it's because they, they plain out don't want to, or maybe they just don't have the time or bandwidth to do so. And so it's kind of just like, you're getting into an industry and you're getting into a partnership where people are, where businesses and general applicants are just doing the bare minimum because that's all that they feel they want or need to do. And then on the other end, you just have a group of people, a group of applicants who are not ready to succeed in the industry that they signed up for because they don't have the necessary tools to do so. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I can see that wholeheartedly. And I think that this is why it's so important when programs like this are created, that understanding there needs to be some real deliverables, right? In Mm -hmm. in regard to that, like putting in those guidelines around how they're going to support that business to ensure that it's sustainable and successful. Um, And here are some of the ways that, you know, success has looked in these other partnerships and kind of gleaning Maybe if Kiva Confections is, you know, one of the better uh, equity partners really gleaning from them, how they, you know, ensure that your business would do well. So I think that's really important to uplift that. And, and I know that we have a lot more to get into because we need to talk about the policy behind all of this. And there's so much more to consider in terms of learning 
how your business stays connected to community. Uh, but first, we're going to take a quick break. And this is going to be one of our breakout segments here on Equity Rising. And one of the ways that we're going to be bringing our community's point of view into these conversations and also uplifting and sharing some of the great work that happened in our community. So stay tuned, guys. We'll be right back. And now it's time for the chime in. In this segment, we bring in voices from our community to see what they have to say. My name is Stefan Richmond, and I currently live in the occupied Duwamish Territory, also known as Seattle, Washington. I grew up in a pretty religious household. Uh, my dad was actually a narcotics police officer, as well as a dare police officer. So needless to say, my views on cannabis use and cannabis culture in general was very shaped by the ideologies of the war on drugs, intersecting with religion. And then it actually wasn't until I left home and went to college that I then sort of was exposed more so to recreational cannabis use. I think I recognized that <laughs> my experience and journey with marijuana comes from a very privileged stance, especially as a biracial Black male-identifying person. I know that I come from a lineage of Black males who are spending their entire lives in a prison system for something that I get to actively participate in whenever I choose and have no repercussions. Um, and so now, as a recreational user, I just feel that I have a, a duty to be, one, like a more educated consumer and speaking out and sort of being a role model within cannabis culture and kind of sort of breaking stereotypes and, and having conversations around the inequities and injustices that are happening within the cannabis culture. Thanks to Stefan for joining us for the chime in. Now back to the interview with Raven. Well, thank you guys for listening to Equity Rising with me, your host, Trey Holiday. And today I'm so excited to have Raven Duckett, Oakland Equity, uh, the Cannabis Equity Program, uh, here with us on Equity Rising today. Again, Raven, this has been a great discussion we've been having before the break. So thank you so much for joining us and sharing your perspective and story with us. Of course, of course. Absolutely. So, you know, you were explaining a lot about the partnership before the break. And we know even to get to that place, right? We talked a little bit about the pressure coming from outside entities, but there's a lot of policy that has to happen with all of this. And so I want to get into the kind of policy discussion here. For you, you, you take your position very seriously. And I want to hear a little bit more about how you have been a part of shaping policy because it's had to move forward, right? I mean, they came up with this idea, but you guys are really the ones playing it out. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think that the the Oakland Equity Program has been evolving since I've been a part of it. Um, kind of before the break, we were talking about kind of how, uh, you know, my, my incubator kind of relationship is been going pretty well. It's been going really well and they've been really helping us and really a pivotal source for our business success while others may have partners that are not so much like that. I'll say the city of Oakland really acknowledged that. And so um, a little bit after 
legal cannabis started in 2018, Oakland brought on a technical assistance partner in the city of Oakland. It's called Make Green Go. And so kind of what they were brought on to do was to help applicants with everything I said that our incubator helped us with. And so that was kind of like the first step of the city kind of taking accountability for the applicants, making sure that we knew how to set up our business structure, making sure we knew kind of where to get products and kind of different compliance softwares and things that we needed to do. So that was kind of like the first step in that direction. The second thing that kind of happened was it was a lack of capital that a lot of the equity candidates were coming in with. Um, Like I said, community gardens, we were self-funded literally like from my savings and like kind of like my 401ks I had for my jobs and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But that wasn't the case and that wasn't the uh, ability for a lot of the other teams coming through. And so what Oakland did was put forth a loan program. And so currently Oakland has an equity loan program where equity applicants are able to get 0% interest loans. That, um, that goes up to, I believe, $100,000 that they can pay back over, I believe it's four to five years. And so that was kind of like a second kind of coming of like, okay, first we've taught you how to run your business and, or we've taught you how to start your business and how to set up your business. And now we have something where you um, can actually get money to do the things that you need to do. And so those, those policies have happened. Another thing that's happened in Oakland is there has been some tax reform. And so a little bit about what I was talking about earlier about how um, we don't see as much participation in the legal cannabis market um, as we were seeing in the medical cannabis market. A really, really, really big part of that is all the taxes that are associated with the legal cannabis market. Um, Everyone from city to state to federal, um, you know, wants a part of every dollar that a cannabis business brings in. And so at the top of 2020, at the top of this year, Oakland actually lowered the taxes and restructured the taxes and made some incentive, incentive programs for, for companies who operate in Oakland to hire locally and pay fair wages and, letting, and that would let them get certain tax breaks. And so that was something that was really um, pivotal. Um, in terms of me personally, I mean, I, I mean, I've always been pretty outspoken and things like that, but Coming into the cannabis industry, I and and being an equity applicant and kind of seeing the conversations that were happening around me about equity applicants and about equity operators and about equity in general, um, I saw that there was a voice missing, and that was actually people like me, people who were actually working and actually doing the work and out on the field. And so I started to become a lot more active. I started going to city council meetings to talk about, you know, what I was going through, especially when it came to the taxes. That was something that um, was really personal to me because I knew that was something that was keeping a lot of customers away from our delivery service. Mm -hmm. And so at the top of 2019, I actually joined an advocacy group called Supernova Women. um, And I came on as a, I came on the board and I was added to the board specifically because I was an equity operator and to kind of speak for those operators. Because I think what kind of happened while Oakland did put forth the program um, Make Green Go, where it was really necessary at the time to get everyone in line to set up and start their business. A year after the program started, it's like, okay, we have, we have operators. People are set up. Like I've, I've already done my paperwork. I've already done my filings. I've already got my insurance. I've already done all this kind of stuff. Now I need, I need more help. I need to level up. I, I have a product. I need to understand how to get it on the shelf. 
Um, I need to understand cash handling procedures because, you know, banking and that whole thing is a whole nother beast in the cannabis industry. And so that's what I've been really focused on for the past year and a half has been working with Supernova, who overall, we do a lot of policy work nationally to put forth equity programs and really make space for people of color in the cannabis industry. But me specifically, really making sure that we have programming and resources for equity operators so that they can um, run their business efficiently and keep growing and succeeding. Because I think, especially in Oakland, where I am, we have several operators here who are running businesses that are great, that are making great quality products. There are a number of black and brown owned uh, delivery services, distribution companies, flower companies that really have a great kind of thing going. And it's my goal to make sure that those businesses are able to sustain operation and keep up with the industry. And so with Supernova, we've been able to like put together programming to like help those businesses understand the industry and make sure that they're, you know, possibly one step ahead in understanding what's coming. Well, you know, that's uh, amazing. And honestly, it's it's funny because I'm listening to you and I'm like, yes, she's doing all the things. Like, that's really what it takes, right? I mean, because you recognize mm-hmm. and realize that, hey, this is a new industry. I'm going to need to speak up. I'm going to need to make sure they understand the challenges that we have in this industry, even with this program, and, and, and really give them the opportunity to ensure that the goals of equity are actually happening happening. So there isn't any more of those kind of disparities creating gaps. So I thank you for sharing that because it's clear that a lot of us who are involved in equity work, we have to wear the hats of many in terms of not just Mm -hmm. in our, you know, like for you in your business, but then working with Supernova, going to city council meetings, like ensuring that Mm -hmm. policy is also being as progressive as certain programs, right? So thank you for that. Because I think that your work really is foundational in terms of what it means to bring about equitable programs, equitable solutions into a system that inherently didn't have that built in, right? And so Mm -hmm. I want to ask you, uh, because so much of this always involves, you know, going back to community, right? You were talking about the fact that your husband lived in one of these areas that really was, you know, heavily policed and and has that that history of, you know, incarcerating people for, for marijuana charges. What is it that you're doing right now in community to, you know, kind of educate folks and, and get community informed and, and make sure that they're engaged and aware in all that you're doing in the equity program? Yeah, so um, it's, it's mostly through Supernova Women. We do a number of free or like donation-based events. We just uh, had a Grow and Scale series where we did a number of webinars that let people know how to get shelf space and handle cash and all those kind of things like that. Before Supernova, I also uh, participated in a program called, sorry, my pregnancy brain or my post-mom brain is, is getting to me, but I participated in a program where uh, we held a workshop that taught people how to basically fill out the Oakland equity application. It was a five-series workshop that we held actually at the Kiva Confections offices back in 2018. It's called the Green Huddle. There we go. So it's called the Green Huddle. And the Green (laughs) Huddle was basically gathering everyone who already figured out that they qualified for the Oakland Equity Program, but they were kind of like, okay, what now? 
you know? And so we would hold five series workshops that basically helped them fill out the application, which was like a big thing, you know? And so that was something that we did to kind of help the community to be a part of the industry. And so I think that on a larger scale, what I would like to see in, in some of my goals and when I talk to other cities and states and things like that about what cannabis can do for the community at large, I think that community reinvestment is something that is missing from a lot of the equity legislation and kind of ordinances that are being put forth right now. Because I think that when the equity program came out and it made 100% sense at the time was, okay, let's get people of color in the cannabis industry. Let's make sure that, you know, they're not left out and that they have their ability to be a part of it, which I think is 100% necessary and makes total sense. But I think that people who were affected by the war on drugs and people who lived in the areas that were over-policed and people who you know, were arrested for crimes that they shouldn't have been related to marijuana, might not want to be a part of the cannabis industry. And I think that is totally understandable. And I think that the fact that the only way to benefit from the legal cannabis industry right now is to be a part of it, it's kind of missing a step. And so I think that there's room for community reinvestment funded and fueled by the legal cannabis industry, whatever that looks like, whether it be housing whether it be education, whether it be job placement or things like that, because I think that really when you know someone's arrested, it, it not only affects that one person, but it affects the whole family, you know? And so it's just like generations of people, especially in places like Oakland and LA and San Francisco and all this kind of stuff, generations of people, families were really um, displaced. And at this point, you know, if they're looking at this cannabis industry and saying, okay, I don't really want to be a part of it, but, you know, hey, my dad was arrested, you know, for having an ounce back in like 92 and I had to like, you know, stop going to after school programs because I had to watch my little brothers or something like that. You know, like I think that they deserve some sort of opportunity based on, you know, all of this new money and excitement that is around the cannabis industry. And so I do hope and I do advocate that as the industry continues to grow, we figure out ways that we can invest in the community and invest in people who are not necessarily a part of the industry. Yeah. You know, I think that you're so right in that regard. And when we talk about equity in general, I think what you just described is really at the heart of that. So much of it is about, all right, how do we ensure that these folks who have been blocked out or left out or never knew these opportunities existed, how do we ensure that there's no barriers for them to participate, that they can fully participate? And one of the things that I think we're really seeing here in Washington that's related around cannabis and equity is that that we're seeing a lot of the licenses go to, you know, folks that are, you know, white, right? I mean, just Mm -hmm, to be mm -hmm. very frank, that those licenses are then, that that's how they're kind of, that's the game they're kind of playing in the cannabis industry up here is by regulating the amount of licenses that folks can have, you know, the areas where they can be, all of this kind of stuff. And I feel like the licenses are such a part of the regulation here. Is that something that Mm -hmm. you experience down there in Oakland as well? That a lot of this is really kind of governed by the those who grant the licenses? 
so do you mean that kind of like are you talking are you speaking to a lack of diversity in licensed businesses like locally is that kind of yeah yeah i mean up here that's one of the biggest things is that what we heard from community and from some even black uh uh, farmers that are have collectivized themselves um to say look you know the, the biggest deal that we struggle with up here and our biggest hurdle is for us to just get these licenses, right? They'd rather have us do, uh, you know, medical, but to get into retail, it's difficult for them. Um, And it's based on a lot of kind of bureaucracy and only these amount of licenses or these people bought up the licenses. And so now they have them. Um, We're just hearing a lot around licensing. Got it. So I'd say in Oakland, I'd say no, right? Mm -hmm. So in Oakland, and that's why, like, I think Oakland specifically is such a powerful place and why I talk a lot about and why my focus is making sure that operators are able to sustain and grow their businesses because in Oakland, no, that's not happening. In Oakland, I know a bunch of businesses owned by people of color, by women, by black women, black men, brown men, you know, brown women. So it's like, I think, and I spent, it's funny because I've been in Oakland and obviously operating for the last few years. I spent like six months in Portland last year, last in 2019, I did an accelerator up there. And I kind of noticed the lack of diversity in like the Portland industry, right? And so I'll say that like, I'm actually kind of like spoiled or whatever for lack of of a better term of like, we have in Oakland specifically, like we have a very diverse group of cannabis operators. I'll say where the lack of diversity kind of hits is operating type, right? So um, usually the black owned businesses are the businesses that have the kind of lower cost to entry. So you you look at like uh, delivery services and distribution companies, maybe sometimes cultivation facilities, but really like delivery services and distribution services, those are kind of the lower cost to enter in terms of the whole gamut of what you can start. I will say in Oakland, we don't really have a lot of Black-owned manufacturing companies because those are really expensive to start. You need equipment and all those kind of things that you know are really expensive and hard to acquire if you are really coming from a lower-income background. And so that's kind of where the divide is in Oakland. I will say that in Oakland, they are taking steps to correct that. Most recently in the last, like I think it was like two weeks, Oakland announced that there's going to be a shared equity kitchen. Um, And so they just opened up a shared manufacturing space where equity applicants can come in and actually create their own like edible line and infused pre-roll lines and things like that. And so even that part of the industry where there is a divide is getting corrected. But I will say that at large, I have heard that in other cities, that is totally the case where it's like, you know, money talks and, you know, who usually has money? It's like usually white men, you know, that's how the country is set up. So um, there is a lot of kind of Trojan forceness happening in some of the equity programs where it's like, you know, the equity applicant is just kind of a prop into, you know, someone, some large, heavily funded individual or company getting into the industry. But I think that if cities come, really correctly and specifically with their equity programs, that is something that can be averted. Um, because in Oakland, like I said, we the diversity is, is really great. And after I spent that time in Portland uh, at the top of 2019, I came to really appreciate for sure. 
Wow. Well, it sounds like the rest of the nation has a lot to learn from Oakland and Oakland's equity uh, cannabis program. That is for sure. And honestly, you know, just listening to you talk, I'm like, man, this is for me, one of the, the goals of this podcast is really about, you know, sharing what works other places. Because I think so much of when we talk about reimagining, right, what our cities look like and reimagining, you know, levels of authority and where positions of power come from and all of this, I think that we're in such a transformative space right now as a country where, you know, we can hear from someone like yourself talking about the cannabis equity program in Oakland. And we can realize, wait a minute, there's some experts in Oakland that have literally hammered this out and that are also being responsive enough to change things on the fly when it doesn't work. And when there's something that seems like, oh, there's a kink in that system there, it's still not being fully equitable. There's a way to iron that that wrinkle out. And it just sounds like Oakland is really being not only innovative and progressive in creating the program, but also responsive in ensuring that the program stays equitable. And I think that that's one of the lessons we can all learn from in this moment of time right now, Raven. You know, I mean, we're, we're in a space where the country is really pressing for change. And, and before we end here today, I want to ask you, you know, this zeitgeist we're in, the sign of the times we're in right now, how is that affecting you down there in Oakland? And how do you think the movement in general is really bringing about equity and this kind of awakening across the country? Yeah, I mean, that's heavy. Like, and I know, you know, it's heavy. Like, that's heavy yeah. because I mean, like, sometimes, like, I have to, like, stop and take a step back and really think about, you know, what I do for a living and what I'm able to accomplish. You know, I sell weed for a living in real life. Like, you know, <laughs> and um, that's something that, you know, people were legit getting, like, arrested for and going to jail for and ruining their whole lives for not that long ago. You know, and it's just like, I'm from Oakland. I'm third generation Oakland. You know, my mom used to go to Black Panther meetings and things like that. And so it's like, I come from a place of revolutionaries, of activists, of people who demand change and, and, and make change happen. And so I think that in terms of what's happening in the nation, like, honestly, it's been happening in Oakland. You know what I'm saying? And I've been known, you know, all of the... In inequalities that people like myself face, people like my husband face, you know, and I'm happy that as a nation and a more diverse group of people are starting to understand the really basic inequalities that Black women face, that Black men face, just going out and living every day. So I think that that's another part of why I feel my activism is not only something I'm just interested in and I enjoy doing because I do enjoy doing it, but I feel like it's kind of like a necessity for me because it's like, I'm blessed to be able to sell weed for a living and, you know, say, and be able to legally do that and, and this be my job. And a lot of people had to fight for me to get here. And it's a lot of people even right now in other states that can't do anything like what I'm doing. And, and that's not right. And so I think that, you know, our nation and this current uprising that we're in, you know, the Black Lives Matter movement and things like that are, are wonderful. And I want to do everything I can to um, keep that momentum going. Because like I said, I've been seeing all the issues that are being pointed out now and I'm glad that everyone else is seeing them. And I, and I just want to do whatever I can to uplift people around me 
to be a part of this cannabis industry. But like I said, I think community reinvestment and using this cannabis industry to help others that don't necessarily want to be a part of it is really important because I think that it's just been a whole system, a whole kind of like um, chain reaction of just inequalities that have put a lot of people in unfair places, in bad places, including jail, including homelessness. In Oakland, we have a huge homelessness problem, um, which is just ridiculous. And so on the other end of like us being kind of like the second tech hub to San Francisco, which is like Mm -hmm. a little bit about that. Like I worked in tech before this. And so it's like when I looked at the cannabis industry, besides being like, oh shit, this is going to be so fun. I'm going to sell weed for a living. Like I'm going to be like fucking cool. (laughs) Like it was like, you know, like I saw that I worked in the tech industry. I worked at Pandora, which is based in Oakland. And I was really benefiting from the change that had happened to my city. And I was looking at cannabis and I'm like, okay, this is the next thing that's going to happen to my city. I'm working in the tech industry. The reason why things are too expensive, people can't afford to live in Oakland, the reason why people are homeless in Oakland and things like that. So it's like, okay, I'm going to enter in. And it was kind of too late in the tech industry when I got into it. You know, it was like already <laughs> ship had failed, you know, like it's already happened. But it's like, I'm looking at cannabis, like, okay, look, I'm here. I got the third license in the state of California. I'm one of the first people in the door. But, you know, I think is it Kamala Harris, like you can be the first, but don't be the last, right? Like that's how I feel, you know? So it's like, I can be the first, I can be in these rooms with all these white people, white men, especially, you know, that, you know, might ignore me or whatever. And I can take what I can take because it's like, I come from a line of activists, a line of people who were in rooms that people might, might didn't want them to be in and said things that people didn't want them to say or didn't want to hear. And it's like, I take pride in that, you know? And I think that's my part of like this whole kind of movement that's happening now. It's like, okay, I'm going to be in those rooms that a lot of people like me that come before me would have never been invited in. I'm going to be a part of that conversation. I'm going to do that. And so, I don't know. I think it's just like, I feel that I've had such an awesome opportunity to be a part of something at its onset that is going to have lasting effects for generations and years to come. Oh my gosh. Inspiration over here. (laughs) Absolutely. And I agree with you wholeheartedly that everything that we do, I think it, it maybe it's just a lot of us who are, you know, come from this kind of place of they wanted to call you a minority, whatever else. It's like, if you're non-white, you there's certain things that you just understand because if you were born in this country, there's certain things you really understand um, in that regard. And it sounds like you get it all the way. And I love that you're utilizing your platform to bring about education into the community, to uplift and bring out pathways for, you know, newer uh, equity cannabis operators like that's what it's all about because you're absolutely right. If we're the first ones in the door, we definitely got to keep that door cracked for those coming after us. And so I appreciate that perspective wholeheartedly. Uh, I know you have uh, the little baby, so you have to go, but I, I wanted to let the audience know. And before we end here that you're not only doing stuff behind the scenes for your business, I hear that you're also the the delivery driver once a week. So people have the Mm -hmm. opportunity to call you up and and maybe it would be you also delivering their cannabis. I don't know how you do it all, Raven, but we definitely thank you. We thank you so much for taking time to shed some light 
on the cannabis equity program down there in Oakland. We definitely have a lot to learn up here in Seattle and we'll definitely stay connected because I think as things progress here, we need to take some lessons from you guys and really share uh, what works, you know what I mean? And also share what doesn't so that we don't replicate it. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I still do drive because like I said, we're still like a team of three. So we're still pretty small. Um, so yeah, I'm still like literally on the front lines, literally on the road. But I think that this podcast and these conversations that you're having and even this show is just so necessary because we're like, it all starts with a conversation, right? It all starts with someone being like, someone needs to talk about this. Someone needs to tell the story. Someone needs to personalize this. And like I said, like I saw a lot of conversations happening about equity and round equity without talking to equity operators and so like that's why i'm here to just share what i'm doing share my experience and i think that what you guys have as a goal in seattle and what you're putting together in seattle is so important and it's like of course your program is going to look a little different from oakland because it needs to be right because you guys are different from oakland but it's like you're taking the right steps of like at least connecting with others in like the industry and things like that to do that. And I think that, you know, whatever help I can provide, whatever insight I can provide, whatever introductions I can make, there are a few equity programs within the state of California. I think it would be really interesting if you would want to talk to maybe someone in like Los Angeles or something, because they have a whole nother little thing going on right now. But yeah, anything I can do to just kind of either give you my point of view or kind of point you in the right direction, I'm here because I think that this is this is where it starts. This is it. We have to do it for ourselves and we have to kind of make it happen. And so I'm happy to be a resource. Well, I appreciate that so much. And I think you're absolutely right that that's why we said we need to do this podcast. We need to start listening and learning and talking with folks across this country and beyond globally that are doing equity work on the ground. And it doesn't matter what the industry is at the end of the day, we need to be learning and building this body of work around equity because our nation has not been equitable. And now the voice of the people is saying, look, we, we really have to make some huge shifts and huge changes here. And so that's what this is really all about. So thank you again, Raven. You have been an amazing first guest. I'm so honored uh, that you were able to join us today on Equity Rising and share your story with us so that we can continue forward on this equity journey. Thank you so much again, friend. We will definitely be in contact soon. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Equity Rising. Subscribe to get new episodes as soon as they come out. And if you don't follow us on social media yet, you can find us on Facebook at King County Equity Now Coalition, Instagram at King County Equity Now, and Twitter at KC Equity Now. Contact us if you want to get involved, submit a chime in, or continue the conversation.